Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Guys, do you remember as children, we used to play a game in as hide and seek? Do you remember hide and seek? That was like, that was before phones. <laughs> that was before texting. That was before video games. This is what we did. They kicked us all outside and said, go play. And so there's a group of us in the neighborhood and we're like, what do you want to play? Hide and seek. And you guys know the premise of this, right? The object was for someone, you would go, okay, who's it? Who's it? And you would, you would be the it. And if you were the it person, you'd hide like this and you would count. If it was in your neighborhood, it might be to 10, 20, some of it 200, right? And the kids would scatter. And you would hide. And you would look for other places to hide while it was seeking you. You didn't want to get caught. You guys remember that? I mean, it was like, it was like, and then, and then you remember, right? So, so they'd get behind a tree. Now, if, if you were the it, I hope you didn't cheat, right? One, two, three, four, seven. I hope you didn't cheat, but we, but you'd had the it. So you had the it and you'd be like, one, two, what happened when you got to a hundred? Ready or not? Ready or not. I mean, if you're high, if you're hiding or not, here I come. Let's go. And then you'd go. And then you'd go, Oh, got you, found you. And then you'd run to the next place and you'd look and, 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 and I remember that. You guys remember you have some fond memories. Now, here's the thing. Some of you were probably really good at hiding, like really good. And the problem is, is that they never found you and you won the game. Oh, I can't believe it. Where's feathers? I can't. Feathers, where are you? Okay, we give, we give. And she'd come out crawling, wherever she was. Wherever she was. So some of us were good at hiding. If you were small, you had the advantage because you could hide in little spaces. If you were fast, you could crawl up trees and nobody would see you. Specifically if you were playing at night. So that's how you won the game. But then some of you were good at seeking. You knew where people were. You go, mm-hmm. I see you behind. <sighs> and it's, it's, it's such a neat game that even now, me and my granddaughter will play hide and seek in the house. And there's not a whole lot of places to hide in the house. You know? So you're behind chairs and, and you love it when they're little, don't you? Because they don't know where you are and, and you, it, it's just great. It's just great. I, I love that. If you were really awesome at seeking, then a lot of people were frustrated with you because because you could find anyone. You just had a knack for that. And then I started to think about hide-and-seek, and I started to think, you know what? Even as adults, we still play hide-and-seek, don't we? You go, well, no, we don't go outside and say, ready or not, here I come. But when you look at it, and I was thinking about this, in social media, we still kind of play hide-and-seek, don't we? Somebody will be seeking you, and you'll get a friend request from somebody that you um, went to school with in junior high, and you go, look, I'm not going to accept them. I don't know what they're doing. Or if it comes to reunions, right? Some of you love to go to your high school reunions, and some of you are like, I didn't even like those guys in high school. Why would I go now? She's like, amen. She's like, amen. But no, that's how we are, right? Because we're, we're still good at hiding. But let's even take it a step further. When it comes to social media, don't we hide real well? And people go, and we post these things, 
And really what we are is we're hiding. We're hiding from the reality of this is not really my life. But I want you to think this is my life. And so we're good at hiding and other people are really good at seeking because we go, social media, guess what it is? We know it's not real. We know it's not real. When it comes to our lives, church, I think many have begun a game, if you will, of hide-and-seek with the Lord Jesus. I believe that. And if people in life have been so hurt and so broken, what I have found and what I have determined is they continue to hide from God. He wants to open up and he wants to heal and and he wants to come into your life. And and many people are, no, 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 I'm going to hide from God. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. And, and, um, oh, oh, oh. And yet, what I also find is those of you today are really good at seeking. Why? Because you're seeking Jesus. That's why you're here. You see, when it comes to the word of God, it makes us even more hungrier. We want more of the word. And Josh's friend, he invited a friend from work, and Josh's friend came and was listening to Pastor Bill. And the one thing he told Josh that stood out to me, he said, as, as we go verse by verse by verse, there was a hunger. I want to know more. What happens next? Well, what happens next? Instead of going, oh, he's going to cover 42 verses. Oh, my gosh, we're going to be here till What time is the cowboy game on? Are you kidding me? We're hungry for God's word. I want what, really, what happened? What happened? And, and so this is, well, you guys are great seekers. Now, the reason I tell you this, and I share this story with you, is because this morning we're going to see that there were many in Jesus' time that were seeking him. There was a ruler whose daughter had died, he's going to be seeking Jesus. There is a woman who had been sick with an issue of blood for 12 years. She's going to be seeking him. And we're going to see two blind men seek Jesus. Even though they couldn't see, they were seeking the Lord. And then we'll even find today there was a demon-possessed man whom others brought to Jesus, and I wonder what his story was. You see, demons know about God. They don't seek him. They already know. But somebody had to do something. So we have a lot of great people seeking Jesus, a lot that Matthew says, hey, this relates to all of us. You're those people. But he also says, now, don't forget, there was a group of Pharisees in verse 34, uh, church, who continue to hide from Jesus. You go, what do you mean? Well, their religion, their religious routine, their tradition, these are the ones that were hiding from Jesus. I suppose with that introduction, the biggest question this morning is, are we playing hide and seek with Jesus in our lives?
are we? When it comes to the Scripture, church, listen, I think it's important that not only do we read the Scriptures, but that do the Scriptures read us. You see, a lot of times people will read the Scriptures and continue on the same lifestyle that they have, keep doing the same thing. But when the Scripture begins to read us, then we ask ourselves, am I that person? Do I do this? Or where do I fit in this story? Oh, am I seeking Jesus or am I hiding from Jesus? And what I mean by that is, are we today really seeking Jesus in these last days Or are we somehow hiding from all the things he has for us? Well, you go, Ben, why would we hide? Why would we hide? Here's why. Listen, okay, jot this down. Because sometimes we find that if we seek Jesus, then it means a painful experience that we don't want to relive. You go, well, can you illustrate it? Let me illustrate it like this. Let's say that your heart is a house. Your heart is your house. Okay, everybody picture your house. In your house, you have what? You have a living room and you have a kitchen and you have a bedroom and you have closets and, and you, that's your heart. That's your heart. Everybody got that, right? So you invite Jesus to come to your house. You invite him to come into your heart. And so Jesus comes in. He says, yes, I'm so glad you invited me in. And you are excited to have him come into your living room because your living room is a place where you live. And you say, Jesus, sit down. All of this is yours, man. Let's just hang out. And Jesus is like, cool, awesome. And then so you go, all right, so what do you want to do now? He goes, well, I'm a little hungry. Can I, can I have the kitchen too? And you go, okay, Lord, uh, I'm not sure what I want you to see in the fridge, but hang on a second. I'll be right, I'll be right back. And so you clean out the, Lord Jesus. And, and so the Lord helps you. The Lord helps you with the things in the fridge. So now you got the living room and he, in the bedroom, you don't care. That's where I sleep. There you go. Have, have it, Lord. And so you give the Lord every room in your house. But the problem is, is you have a closet that you don't want to give Jesus. And the Lord says, cool. I've got, I've got the whole house. And you're like, man, Jesus in my heart. This is cool. He's in every room. And he goes, hey, hey. Um, what's in the closet? Nothing. Nothing. Um, well, can I see? Lord, what do you want? Let's, let's go watch. T- the game is on. Lord, come on. Let's just go hang out over here. Lord, I'll, I'll make you a grilled cheese sandwich. Lord, come on. Let's, let's go. No, no, no. Hey, hey, hey. I want to see what's in the closet. No, Lord, Lord, you don't want to see what's in. And, and the problem is, is that the Lord wants to clean out that closet. Because he knows as long as that closet is hidden and you've got stuff in it, he can't heal you. Your problem and my problem is if I open the closet, I'm going to relive some painful memories and some painful hurts. Oh, no, no, I'll just rather keep it closed. I'll keep it closed. Lord says, Ben, listen to me. Listen, if I can clean the closet, I know it's going to hurt for a second, but I can bring healing while you're hurting. And so you go, okay, okay, Lord, here you go. And it's dirty, and it's dark, and it's yucky. And the light of the Lord Jesus comes in, and he cleans that up. And after some pain, and he cleans it all up, and you're like, wow. And then you can worship the Lord God like you've never worshipped him before. With a pure and wonderful, and, and that's the relationship God has been asking us to do. 
But a lot of us in this room, a lot of us online, a lot of us in Lubbock, well, we're, we're still hiding from him. We're still hiding. Now, let me remind you really quickly what we talked about last week. I always want to bring you up to speed because there's people like, well, I went here last week. Well, here's the thing. You remember we were introduced to two people. One of them was a paralytic whose friends, they brought him to Jesus. Do you guys remember the story? I can imagine, I, I pictured myself this morning on my recliner being a paralytic going, hey, hey, guys, Jesus is in town. Jesus is here. Let's, let's go. And I'm going, how can I go? How, I can't move. And, and, and my friends go, hey, we'll take you. We'll take you. What would you be your thought process? No, that's not going to work. You're not, you'll draw. I mean, how is this? And then my second thought was, if I go to Jesus, what if he doesn't heal me? I'll be so crushed. I'll be so disappointed. No, I can't do that. But his friends were insistent, and they brought him up. And then so you're going, okay, okay, okay. In your mind, tell me this is not true. In your mind, you've already justified that God may, not, may or may not heal you. So you're like, okay, I'm not going to be disappointed. Because if I have no expectations, then I have no disappointments. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here are my friends. And then you see the house, and you're like, it's packed. It's packed. I can't get in. And your friends say, don't worry. Don't worry. We got you. What do you mean you got me? We're going on the roof. We're going on the what? I got a better idea, guys. Hey, fellas, why don't you leave me here, and then we'll call. When, when, when service is over, people go, and then, and then we can see Jesus. No, you need to see Jesus now. And so they get him on the roof. And do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus looked down, roof opens up, and he says, he looked at their faith, and he heals the guy. Guys, sometimes our friends need to walk with us. And sometimes we need to be the faith of our friends. Because after life has hit them so hard, they're going, I don't, I don't have the faith. No, no, no. The Bible says this, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So sometimes we think, well, I'm in the word of God, but I don't know. I'm you might be building your faith for somebody else. No, not for salvation. Oh, you understand, it's an individual person who gets saved by faith. But you're going to build your faith to help your brother or sister in a time of need. And they'll call you up and go, listen, I don't have it anymore. I'm not going to do this. I can't. I'm struggling. Your faith will come in when maybe they don't call you, but the Lord begins to prompt your heart. Call Kevin. What? Call Kevin. <sighs> Lord, he's busy. I'm busy. I said, call Kevin. Okay. Hey, bro, what's up? And just what he needed at that moment. You understand that? Where does that come from? It comes from your faith. But the word of God says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing in the word of God. So as you have your quiet time, as you have your intimate time with Jesus, guess what happens? You're building your faith because maybe a friend needs it. Maybe a friend needs it. I know I need it. Sometimes I feel like faith is like gas, right? You use it, I got gas, but then you start to run out of gas. Sometimes I feel like I run out of faith. I need to have that. And then I think of the second person. I think of Matthew. Can you imagine what Matthew, I mean, we're, we're into this, and, and, and Matthew was one hated dude. You understand that? 
People did not like Matthew. Matthew was not welcomed anywhere in the grocery stores or anywhere else. I mean, oh. What did Matthew have to do to get in this position? And the Lord Jesus says, listen, I'm not, I don't care about your past. I don't care what you've done. Come, follow me. And Matthew says, I'm in. I'm in. How many of you would think that, that there was a battle going on for Matthew's soul at that time? You're a tax collector. You're making money. Come on, you can't do this. Matthew, don't do this, man. Jesus doesn't care about you. And it's back and forth until the Lord looked in his eyes and he said, follow me. And Matthew goes, I'm in. I'm in. Now, I wish I could tell you everything was super duper, but I'm pretty sure the disciples kept an eye on Matthew. I bet they kept an eye. I was like, you know, I wonder if they brought it up at times. Well, Matthew, you're lucky you're on our side because the Lord Jesus is going to, he's going to dethrone Rome. And when he does, you wouldn't be, you'd be out of a job. And Matthew's like, listen, I'm just, I just, I just surrendered. I'm just here now. I'm just here now. And I bet the Lord said, guys, no, no, no. Here's the thing. We're disciples. We're disciples. There's not one, anyone better than anybody else. And then he reminds them of the story. Hey, you who have no sin, cast the first stone. You're right, Lord. You're right. So what are we called to do as a church? We are called to love people back to life. We're called to love people back to life. We're called to love people to life. That's evangelism. Hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. It's incredible. But there are people who are hurting and broken, who used to be Christians and walked away. We need to love them back to the place where they can hear God again. Okay, I got you. I got you. I got you. That's what we learned. We learned about faith. We learned that our life isn't over, that even it starts when the Lord says, follow me. Follow me. Many of you in this room can testify that, can testify to that. Many of you go where, I remember where I felt my life was over, and the Lord Jesus looked at me and said, follow me, and you said, that's where it started. And some of you go, well, I don't have a platform ministry, pastor. I'm not preaching the gospel, but my, I pray for people, and I'm going, that's your ministry. You're praying for people. You're interceding that God would move, and that's your ministry. That's a great ministry. That's a great ministry. Think about this for just a second. When it came to the paralyzed man, I want you to put your thinking caps on for a second. We as society, and and I think even some Christians, would have no hope for the paralyzed man. If we saw him, we'd be like, eh, sorry. And then if we're honest, we would even blame him for sinning. Well, who sinned? You know, did you do, how did you do this? And I love that, that Jesus sees the faith of his friends and heals the man, both physically and spiritually. I want to be more like Jesus. We are super quick to blame people or to, or to judge people real quick for the condition they're in. We're super quick. Oh, well, you don't know. And, and, and I want to be more like the Lord. The Lord's like, hey, I saw their faith. I saw their faith. 
I, I don't know. Think about this. Would we have joined in in hating Matthew? If Matthew lived across the street from you and you knew that's where Matthew lived, would you have joined in? You would have said, yeah, 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 no, he's a tax collector. I hope he burns with Rome. Let me say this to you. Ready? Jot this down. This is so pertinent. This is so pertinent. This is so pertinent. Guys, listen to what I'm saying. Bad choices in a person's life does not mean we write them off. Bad choices in a person's, and we all make them. We made them before we were Christians. We make them after we're Christians. Sometimes we make bad choices. We don't allow the Holy Spirit of God to guide us. We make a bad choice. And what happens is the body of Christ tends to look and go, well, you deserve that. Burn with Rome. That's not the Lord. That's not the Lord. And here's why. Because Jesus' heart, he really loves us. And he loves us messed up and all. He loves us. Can we agree with that? I mean, we all come in here shining on Sunday. How are you doing? God bless you. How are you, sister? Amen. Oh, I love you. Amen. But we're really messed up at home. Nobody knows. God knows. And he just wants us to be real. He just wants us to be real. Okay, yeah. yeah. Lord, I need you. I need you. Guys, I got saved at 17, and I won't tell you how old I am now. But it's been a long time, and I've still got issues. I still want to draw closer to God. You know exactly what I'm talking about, because the closer you get to Jesus, the more you realize you've got a lot of issues. You've got a lot of issues. Now, that's where we are. As we come to our study today, guys... We're going to start off in verse 14, and we're going to work our way through, okay? Um, the disciples of John ask some very important questions. We'll answer those questions. Matthew 9, picking it up in verse 14, it says, Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of a bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come after the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will no longer, and then they will fast. But no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth in an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, and the wine is spilled into, and the wineskins are ruined. They put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, your attention, please. Can you imagine? All they ask Jesus is about fasting, and he gives them three separate answers. And it's almost like, I don't know if Jesus knows what he's saying. He's talking about cloths and, and, and sewing and wine. Hello, Jesus. We got to, we got, okay, well, let's break it down. Let's break it down, okay? Because John's disciples come, and they ask him the question. Now, here's what we need to know. Traditionally, okay, the Pharisees and the rest, they would fast on Mondays and Thursdays. And you guys know what fasting is. They would abstain from food in order to get closer to God. Or some of them did it in traditionally to look very pious and very religious. I'm fasting. I cannot have a donut today. It's Sunday. I don't eat on those. And, and we looked real religious this is what they would do. 
And the Pharisees made it a point. Can you imagine? You knew that on Mondays and Thursdays, this is the Pharisees. This is how they fasted. So you would never invite a Pharisee. Hey, you want to come over for dinner? Well, Monday's not good and Thursday's not good. Yeah, but maybe Tuesday, some filet mignon, I'll be there. What? You knew that. But that's not how God does. You know what God does? He says, I'm going to give you one required fast. And then they introduced another one. The only required fast in the Old Testament was the Day of Atonement. This is when they should fast, the Day of Atonement. And then they added the the day before Purim. So there were two just required fasts. But the Pharisees are fasting twice a week. Look at me. I'm fasting. The Lord taught us all about fasting, and I know it's a great thing. We called when Bethany was sick and a few others were sick. We called for for, for an all church fast. Fast from food, fast from social media, fast from television. Just fast, fast, fast and pray, fast and pray, fast and pray. And what he doesn't want us to do is go around and and let people know, what are you doing? I'm fasting. And we'd look all sick and everything. What are you doing? I'm fasting for God. He says, no, 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 just wash your face, go about your day. Now, if you're going to fast, I think you need to tell your spouse because if she cooks a big meal and you're like, well, I'm fasting. Well, are you could have told me. Are you kidding me? So you got to tell your spouse. But really, I mean, that's. But they come asking. And, and I love that the Lord gives them three. He, he gives them three illustrations. He says, first of all, listen, he says, um, if you go to a wedding, um, do the guests mourn or do they celebrate? How many of you ever went? <laughs> I got to be careful with that question. How many of you ever mourn at your wedding? <laughs> Please don't marry him. But anyways, here's the point, right? No, we, at a wedding we we <laughs> we 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 enjoy that, right? And we're not going to fast at a wedding. It's usually feast, love weddings. As long as they don't run out of food. I've only been to one wedding where they ran out of food. Yeah, you're telling me. And then he says, besides that, let me give you another show. He says, now, who would patch old clothing with a new cloth? Now, you guys know this, right? The, the new patch would shrink and rip away. I mean, it's, it's just, it, it'd leave a bigger hole before. Now, I'm pretty sure Jesus knew that back in my day when we played hide and seek, if you tore your pants, you would patch them up. Now you pay big bucks to have holes. And I mean, there's some, it's like cut from here, here. And I feel like going, here's a couple of bucks, go get you some new camp clothes. I mean, but that's, that's the style. And then he says something very interesting. He says, no one puts new wine guys into old wineskin. For the old wineskin would burst from the pressure spilling the wine and, and the skins would be ruined. Now, let's dig a little bit deeper. What is Jesus saying? What is he saying to you and I today? The first answer is he says that Jesus um, tells us that Jesus, our life, is a feast and not a funeral. When you invite Jesus into your life, it is a feast, not a funeral, and that we should have spiritual joy. You should have that spiritual joy. Please understand, I'm not talking about being super happy all the time. Look at me, I'm a Christian. and we're. I, I understand there's hard times. I understand there's going to be sad times. I understand there's going to be pain in your life, both physically and emotionally. That's what happens. 
But I'm talking about that inner spiritual joy where you know God. And even in the worst of worst of worst, guess what? You can still smile because of God. How can you go through this? Jesus. Jesus. We should have that spiritual joy. The second thing he says, now listen. I want to remind you of the new covenant. What is that? Grace and mercy. He says, I'm not, I'm not bringing and I'm not simply wanting to patch the old system. I'm bringing you a new system. Don't, we're, not, we're just not going to patch the old Pharisees. It's, I'm bringing you a new covenant, a covenant full of grace and mercy. Guys, catch it. This is what he's telling the folks. And then he says, now, the old Jewish religion was, was basically a what? That old was a worn-out wineskin. And he says, now, if you put in the new covenant, the new teaching of Jesus, guess what's going to happen? It's going to break. You can't. At the very least, it would burst. Jesus is trying to tell him, there's a new sheriff in town. I've got, I've got a new covenant. It's going to blow your mind, and you cannot walk in the old same traditions. It won't work. It won't work. This is what he's saying. Just a side note before we move on. John was either in prison or he was already dead. And so his disciples were probably fasting in, in memory of John. But nonetheless, the Lord says, we go to a wedding, we don't fast, we feast. There's going to be a time when I'm here, there's going to be a time when I'm gone, and we will fast. And church, we do fast. We do. And I, th- and I feel like it is important to fast. I think it is important to miss a meal and, and, and pray. Um, I think the hunger pains are a really good indication um, to, to get on your knees and pray. Oh, man, I'm hungry. Okay, let me pray. Draw closer to God to hear his will and his voice. We've missed that art. And I think a lot of us um, throughout our lives have made decisions without fasting and praying, and oh, we should have maybe asked God a little bit more. We should have sought him a little bit more. But you know when you hear the voice of the Lord. When you seek him, He oh, okay, cool, cool. Now, let's move on to the next story, verse 18. And while he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come, lay your hands on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly, during this time, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came behind him and touched him by the hem of his garment. Beautiful story. And she said to herself, notice, if, if only I may touch his garment, then I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. And he said to them, make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Some of your translations say they laughed at him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went and he took her by the hand and the girl arose. 
And the report of this went out throughout the land. Guys, ah, this is such a beautiful story. It's a story within a story. But we have two people much like ourselves. What are they doing? They're seeking Jesus. How so? Can you imagine? Other gospels tell us that the name of this fellow is Jairus. Jairus came seeking Jesus. Why? He had a huge need in his life. You go, what? What are you talking about? His daughter had just died. His daughter had just died. The other Gospels tell us, guys, that he was, or she was 12 years old. So you have a woman with 12 years of issue of blood and a 12-year-old. That's not important as much as, I would imagine, that this man's heart was breaking. His, his girl, his daughter... His baby had just died. That's not cool. So what does he do? He comes with a legitimate need. He comes. And he says, man, in the midst of heartache, I need to find Jesus. Listen. When it comes to legitimate needs in our lives, we should always seek Jesus. When it comes to needs in our lives, we should see. Listen, when it comes to our marriages, we should seek Jesus. Seek Jesus together. When it comes to our jobs, I'm going to seek you, Lord. I want to make sure this is the right thing for me. When it comes to all of these things, a legitimate need. Now, I know you're looking at me and you go, Ben, I agree with you. We should always seek Jesus. But here's the thing. Think about this. Jairus didn't know that Jesus would heal her. He didn't know. We have the rest of the book. He didn't. He's coming to Jesus with faith and hope. But you've got to know he might have thought for a second. And you go, why? Here's why. Listen. I'm sure there were many other children who had died while Jesus was on earth. In Israel, you know that. You go, Ben, what's your point? Here it is. During hard times, we can either seek him for healing, for a broken heart, for mourning, for direction, or we can hide from him in hopelessness and helplessness and lack of understanding. What are you saying? You ready? Jot this down. No matter where you or no matter where you are with God today, always seek him for your needs. I think of I think of of Cherie. She's she she's a realtor. She should be seeking Jesus each time she goes out. Lord, what do you want? Lord. Everything we do. Yeah, Ben, but but um um what if the answer's no? What if the answer is no? 
We trust the Lord. Trust the Lord that He has your best interest at heart. You have to trust Him. He's not out to hurt you, but to protect you. And let me say this, in a fallen world, hurtful stuff happens. People pass away, leaving big hole in our hearts. Stuff happens. But I'd rather seek Him. I love in the text, guys, I don't know if you caught it, I love the fact... um, I love the fact that Jesus got up right away and went. The Bible tells us, I'm going to mention again, I want you to write this down. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Why do I want you to write that down? Because I know we live in such a negative world that when we want something from the Lord or we need to seek the Lord, we're so negative that we think, oh, he's not going to answer anyway. And the scripture just told me Jesus got up and said, let's go. Let's go. So what should we do? Well, look at Luke 11, guys. Look at Luke 11. He says this. So I say to you, notice what he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Why? For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. This is what the Lord is telling us. Guys, we keep knocking. We keep seeking, we keep asking until we get an answer. And if the answer is no, then we trust the Lord. Okay, Lord, I got this, okay. Okay. Now, during this time, another person who's seeking Jesus is what? Notice, she has an issue of blood. She's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. And the other Gospels tells us that she's run out of money and the doctors go, there's nothing we can do. I bet that is, that is something that many of us heard in this life. There is nothing we can do. You have a friend, you have a relative, you have, there's nothing we can do. Many times I've heard and I've read that there are doctors who are saying to the COVID patients, there's nothing we can do, get your affairs in order. This is the lady. And what happens? She what? She's still seeking Jesus. And in her heart, she said, if I could only touch his hem, I know I'll be made whole. How does she know that? How does she know? I know I know Jesus can do this. I know. There were crowds around him. You remember what Jesus said in the other gospels? He goes, who touched me? And the disciples are like, Jesus, you're crazy. There's people all over. What do you mean who touched you? No, somebody touched me. I felt the power come out from me. Who touched me? And there's the lady. Now, you didn't touch rabbis. You didn't. And there she was going, and he says, oh, daughter, your faith has made you well. How does she know? How does she know? What kind of faith does she have? I just, I just know. I just know. He's, he's done it for other people. He can do it for, if I could just touch. How does she know? Because the faith is in God, not in us. Faith is in God and his goodness and his love. That's where my faith is. Not in me. Oh, I didn't have enough faith. So... No. 
The prosperity gospel says, oh, you don't have enough faith to believe. No, I believe in God. He is the one who heals if I'm just going to follow him. But what if he says, no, I trust him. He's still my God. He's still my God. Here's what I want you to know. She says, if I could just touch, I know I'll be made well. This is faith in action. This is faith in action. Put your faith in action. Trust the Lord. Okay, here we go. Do you realize that both these people could have, they, they could have hid from Jesus? They could have hid. Why? It's really easy. Jarius could have said, this is what you do to guys like me? This is the kind of loving God you are? Fine. I'm just going to go over here and never seek Jesus again. The woman could have said, well, this is my lot in life. Okay. But they continue to seek Jesus. That's the application for us guys, to continue to seek him. Don't let life's hurts... Don't let life's hurts, what, have you hiding from God? I love the fact that Jesus healed them both physically, right? He went in and said, Talithia, we get up. Now, here's what you need to understand. When he said the flute players and all these, they were professional flute, flute players. They were just, they hired people to mourn. Oh, he walks into a big old thing. But, but here's what I love. Here's what I love. Here, here, think about this. Think about it. Guys, thinking cap, both of these people later, later went on to die. She, she had died. God raised her from the dead. The, the woman of blood, she later died. So really, the most important part of the story is a spiritual one. You see, no matter what, we're all going to live forever. At best, what do we have, church? 80, 90 years at best? So surrendering your life to Jesus is more important than even a physical healing. The Lord is going to show his glory and he's going to show all of Israel, look, I am God. But more importantly, here's what it is. It's, it's someone in Israel got saved, got saved, told theirs and got saved, and it ended up here we are. We're saved. We're saved. We're saved. Listen to what Warren Wearsby says. Imagine sinners laughing at Jesus. He comes in, he goes, she's not dead. <laughs> This proves the girl was really dead. They laughed at Jesus. Otherwise, they would have not laughed at Christ. We can expect the world to laugh at us as we seek to raise sinners from the dead. End quote. I like that. When you go and share your life and your testimony and who you are and what God has done, the world's going to laugh. You can, you, can, you can go, okay. We can expect that. Let me introduce you to two more blind men. Two more blind men who really sought the Lord. You can imagine um, 
I mean, I mean, you could. These men were not hiding in their blindness, but they were seeking the Lord for healing. Look at verse twenty-seven. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, "Son of David, have mercy on us!" And he said, "And when he had come into the house, the blind men came in to him." And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Now, this is amazing. Why? Guys, understand, two blind men were following Jesus. Do you know how difficult that could have been? I mean, we read it and we go, yeah, well, they're two blind guys. No, they're two blind and trying to find, and uh, hey, I hear Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And, and, and here's what I find. This is what blows me away. These two men cry out, and the text seems to indicate that Jesus kept walking. It's, he's going into the house. So me and Mike Shaw, we're the blind guys. Jesus! Shaw, Mike, what? Do you hear him? No. Where'd he go? I think he went in the house. Well, that's that. Where are you, Mike? Not these guys, not these guys, not these guys. Think about it. They followed him into the house. They followed him into the house. Why? Why would Jesus do that? Jesus wasn't ignoring them to go, oh, gosh, not another one. Are you serious? He goes, I want to show us the importance of seeking God every day. The importance of not stopping, not quitting, despite that you can't see. They followed him into the house. Now, two points, two points very quickly. I understand that we can point out and say, oh, no, no, they're spiritually blind people out there, and they need Jesus to heal their eyes. Can I get an amen? They are spiritually blind. They can't see. You understand that. Let me just say this to you, too. Please be careful. We try to have conversations with spiritually blind people and get frustrated because they don't believe the same. Not yet. Give them a moment, and then as they grow in the Lord, you can have those conversations. But why are they doing that? Why isn't our daughter Because she's brand new. She's brand new. I don't know. I don't know. Well, let me tell you that Jesus is our propitiation, and theologically, he's this. they're going, huh? Well, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. You're just saved, right? Yeah, I just got saved. Yeah. Well, there was a story about uh, Noah. Do you remember Noah? No, I don't know Noah. Well, Noah, uh, he built a boat, and God killed all the people on the world. Really? Yeah, except Noah and his family. Do you understand? we got to be careful. We assume that people know all of these Bible stories from, from Sunday school, and a lot of them don't. Be careful. But let's apply this to our lives. You ready? He might be speaking to some of us today. You go, I'm not blind. No. But see, with COVID and life, what if life's been so rough for us that the future just seems dark? Come on, come on, somebody. You know that we used to think, oh, man, 2022, the next year's coming up, and we're going to plan our vacation, and we're going to do this, and this is going to be amazing, and, we, and we, we just have great hopes for what 
what we want to do next year, but really we're going, I don't know. I don't I don't know if we'll be able to get on an airplane again. I don't know. And we're really and and, and so life has just been really just rough with us. And here's the point I want to make. Even if we can't see tomorrow, keep seeking Jesus. Do whatever it takes to hear from God. Keep knocking. Keep asking. Keep seeking. We live, come on somebody, help me here. We live in such an instant world, don't we? We put microwaves, boom, instant popcorn, there you go. We have instant rice, we have instant everything that we, this is how we approach God. Well, God, if you don't answer me instantly, then forget it. Am I, am I talking to somebody? You, you understand, we live and say, but that's, God says, no, no, I want to see the, I want to see the genuineness of your heart. You're going to keep knocking. Do you really want this? Is this something, come on. God, please, God, please, work on my marriage. God, please, work on my life. God, please, work. I need a better job. God, please, I need this. I need, Lord, please, please, I'm going to keep on seeking. Oh, he's not answering. I don't understand. No, 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 keep on. You 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 follow him into the house, even if you can't see. And you cry out, son of David, have mercy on us. What do you you want? I want to see. I want to see. And you know what God will do? He goes, listen, hey, 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 Melanie, I'm not going to let you see a month from now, but I'll let you see tomorrow. Okay. As long as I have the light of the world, one day at a time, I'm okay. I'm okay. Or he might say, Eva, I'm not going to let you see tomorrow because I want you to trust me. And Eva goes, okay, okay. It's dark tomorrow, but I trust you. Pastor Ben, what do I do next? Next step. And one step. One step. This is the word of God. And what does he do? Notice, and he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. I love that. According to your faith. Now, scholars will take this out, or, 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 or prosperity pastors will take this and say, see, they had faith. They had faith. you got to have faith. you got to have faith. That sounds like a George Michael song. you got to have faith, but it's not. And what he's saying is, according to your faith, they followed him into the house. They had faith. If they had no faith, I would have stayed outside going, okay, it is what it is. And their eyes were opened. Can you imagine? Now, here's my favorite part of the whole text. Look. And Jesus sternly warned them. See that no one knows it. Are you kidding me? If God opened my eyes, I'd be like, ah! and you're like, look, I see you. I say, oh, I thought you were much cuter. Then, okay, I'm going over here. And, and I mean, you understand that. And he's like, don't tell anybody. We're, we're shouting it from the rooftops. Or we should be. Come on, or we should be. You go, what do you mean? These guys, they, they, they were like, Jesus, quit playing. We're going to go tell everybody. You don't understand. I once was blind, now I see. I once was blind. What would you do? What would you do? You've been made well with Jesus, you can see, but you don't say anything. 
Can you imagine that conversation? What happened to you, bro? I'm going to say. You did what? I'm going to say. What, what is, I'm sorry, what? I got, uh, I went into church, went to church today and got saved. Well, what does that mean? I don't know, give my life to the Lord. So, do you still want to come over to the house and do what we used to do? It's kind of, yeah, I guess so. That's not us, is it? That would be an awkward conversation. When we get saved, we're like, I got saved. What does it mean? I don't know. I invited Jesus into my heart. My sins are, I feel so light. This is great. What do you want to do? I don't know. But I need to tell somebody, I got saved. I got saved. And so there you are. You go to the grocery store. You're buying your stuff. You go, what happened? How are you doing? How are you? Oh, I got saved today. You did what? I got saved. What does that mean? I don't know. But I got saved. And we begin to tell people. And then we begin to learn. And then we know what it means to be saved. And we say, oh, I invited Jesus into my heart. He forgave me my sins. You can do that too. This is what they're doing, guys, on a physical level. We should, as believers, as disciples, be shouting it from the rooftops. Well, let's move on to our next story. We'll be here all day. Verse 32. And he went out, and behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisee said, He cast out demons by the ruler of demons. Oh, my goodness. Think about this. Let me just say this. If you're taking notes, sometimes, everybody say sometimes, we need help seeking Jesus. In the game of hide and seek, do you guys remember the hide and seek? Do you remember what happened if you were caught, right? If the seeker caught you, there were oftentimes you gave up the other person. You remember? You, you were. And so you would help the seeker, wouldn't you? They'd look at you, make eye contact. And then, you, there you are, got you. This person who was demon possessed needed help needed help. And so what happens? Who are they? They're the the men who brought him to Jesus. Hey, come here. Doesn't that trip you out a little bit? Because the dude was full-on demon-possessed and not like, I don't want to mess with him. I mean, was he like, and you're like, oh, that doesn't bother me. Come on, we're going to go see somebody. I don't know. But the point is, Jesus cast him out. Jesus cast him out. The problem is, it's a great story, right? It's a great story. But within the story, the Pharisees, the Pharisees, instead of running to the Lord and embracing and going, oh my, we've studied the Pentateuch, we've studied the Torah, we know it's him, it's him, everybody rejoice. You know what? They begin to hide. Where are they hiding? They're hiding in the religion. They're hiding in the religious routine. They're hiding in tradition. And can I tell you, it was my religion and my tradition that almost kept me from coming to Jesus. And that's the same thing we see here. Oh, no. Oh, no. You guys know my story. 
Give your life to God. No, if I'm good, I'll go to heaven. I'm about to go to hell. I don't know. I'm not going to. No way, Jose. And it kept me. And I was hiding from God. I was hiding from God. Verse 35. And Jesus went about the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Guys, that's what we need to be doing, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. I love that Matthew points that out. Why? Because we still need that today. We still need healing. We still need healing. But when he saw the multitudes, notice what Jesus, Jesus was moved with what? Compassion for them, for they were weary and scattered like a sheep that had no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Wow. Wow. I love my Jesus so much that he had compassion. He says, he says man, th- these are stories, but look, whew, there it is, there it is. And, and he said, and he was moved with compassion. He goes, look at the people, look at the people. Guys, we've never had a more ripe opportunity in the world than today to tell people about Jesus, the harvest. But let's not be selfish. Let's pray to the Lord of the harvest and say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Send me. Send me. What does that look like in our lives? I don't know what it looks like in your life, but I know that while we have breath, we continue to preach the gospel. We continue to point people to Jesus. And I know when life gets really rough and you can't even, and you feel like you're crawling through life, you continue to seek him. You continue to ask and you continue to beg the Lord, Lord, I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. I need you, Jesus. Listen, as we close, in a game of hide and seek, we know the very end, don't we? Ready or not, here I come. One day soon, Jesus is going to say, ready or not, here I come. So first and foremost, are you ready? Are you ready? You go, Pastor Ben, I am ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for the Lord. Can I get an amen? Are you ready for the Lord? Can I get an amen? So what do I do next? Well, then the second part is that, Lord, is there a closet in my heart that needs to be cleaned? Then I give him permission. Here you go, Lord. Clean my closet. I know it's going to hurt. But I want a true relationship. I want an honest relationship with you. Okay. Second, if you're here today and you have a legitimate need, can I encourage you to seek the Lord? Keep knocking. I guess modern, keep ringing the doorbell. Ding dong, ding dong. Keep asking, God, give me direction. Give me your direction. 
don't take it upon ourselves that we hear the voice of God when we don't. Well, I asked, I prayed, how long did you pray for? 30 seconds. And he said, I should marry that guy. I should marry that girl. He said it. No. Keep asking. He said, I should buy that, I should buy that million dollar home. Well, how much do you make? 40,000. No. No. But I prayed. And then I read something that said, build my mansion. So I thought, Lord said, I could have a mansion. No. You keep knocking. You guys know the voice of God because the Holy Spirit lives inside you. You know the peace of God. You guys know it. You know it. You know when you make the right decision and you have peace. It's, you have peace. Yeah. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Today may be the day that Jesus shows up in your life like never before and says, Hallelujah, Amen. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you for your word, God. Great, great encouragement for us today. We're going to keep seeking you and keep knocking. We're going to keep asking, God. I don't want to play hide and seek anymore, God. I just want to seek you. But I know, I know there are people who are still hiding from God due to hurt, due to brokenness, due to whatever's going on, they're hiding. They haven't fully given their lives to you. Lord, with your permission, I'd like to invite them into the family of God. I know your word tells me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so, by the power of your spirit, I would ask today, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need to surrender my life to God. I haven't fully, I've been playing hide and seek with him and I've mostly been hiding. And you were saying some stuff and I want to seek God now. I want to seek him. But I don't know how. But I know the first step is I'm going to raise my hand and I'm going to agree with you that I need Jesus. Would you do that right now? If God is speaking to your heart, and you need Jesus. God bless you, sister. I see you way in the back. Amen. Anyone else that's just saying yes, yes. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? Just saying, I've been hiding from God. I'm ready for him to just I have it all. Anyone else? You just you want to be right with God. Father, I pray for these hands that were raised, and I pray that they would just surrender their lives to you, however they mean it, that they would say, Lord Jesus, I surrender right now. I believe in you, Jesus. That's why I'm here. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe you resurrected, and I believe you're coming soon. So today, I want to be saved. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. Be my friend. I choose to follow you this day, Jesus, forever. I'm yours. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart, here's what happened. The Lord Jesus came into your heart. He forgave you of your sins and he gave you a brand new life. Now you need to walk in that. You need to walk in that. Begin seeking him. You're done hiding. We're done hiding. Amen. We're done hiding. Amen. Amen. We're going to seek the Lord from now on. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon each and every one of you. Let's worship and then Talia will dismiss us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. 
You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.